Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Emily Hutchinson. And I'm Anna Moyer. And we are here today with Reese Gartley. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So you are doing your master's in the biology department. Can you tell us, just to start off very briefly, what it is you are researching? Yeah, so basically I am researching how spiders of different body sizes may be perceiving their surroundings differently. So the idea is that I'm going to be making these models of three different species of spiders that are different sizes. And um, the idea there is that larger spiders move more at lower frequencies, which are characteristic of larger prey because they're larger and they have typically a lower resonant frequency. And then smaller spiders um, are more likely to move at higher frequencies, which are characteristic of smaller prey. Um, and then another part of my project is, um, so in those multi-body models, there's one parameter that we don't know the value of, and that's the joint stiffness. So another half of my project is trying to develop a method for us to be able to estimate that joint stiffness based on the body size of, of different spiders. So specifically the size of their legs. Um, because I think it's the size of the muscle that's determining how stiff the joint is. So for that, I have been over the summer collecting like 10 species of spider um, and for eight individuals of those 10 different species, measuring their joint stiffness and then going to be developing a model to predict the stiffness based on the like size. Oh, that sounds super cool. So can you tell us a little bit more maybe about the frequency aspect of things and, and how that plays into your research? Yeah, yeah. So before we get into like resonant frequency, so um, every object has a natural frequency that it's naturally vibrating at. And basically what resonance is, is when an external vibration uh, comes by and interacts with that natural object. And if the um, frequency of that external vibration is, or it matches the frequency of the uh, object, like its natural frequency, then that, uh, vibration will be amplified and it'll, it'll move more. So um, that's kind of where the larger, smaller uh, part of the frequency comes in. So larger objects typically move at a lower frequency than smaller objects. And so what do the spiders use this for? Is it for like navigating or catching the bugs that land in the web? What, what are the spiders doing with the frequency? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so most spiders have very poor eyesight. There are some that can see pretty well, like jumping spiders and wolf spiders, but, um, and all of them use vibrations to basically get information about their surroundings. So it could be prey stuck in their web for the ones that build webs. Uh, it could be prey walking by for the ones that don't um, construct webs. Um, also just like information about predators that may be around um, or just like background noise, like wind and stuff. So more like navigating their surroundings and getting information. Okay, very cool. And what made you decide to start researching spiders? Yeah, so actually I got into this lab um, in my fourth year. So I did my fourth year honors thesis project with Natasha uh, Matre. And I kind of was like looking around um, trying to find like a supervisor. And I was like, okay, I really like bugs. I've always really liked bugs and spiders. And this is a really cool interdisciplinary uh, lab. So maybe I'll just try this out. And then after my fourth year, I was like, hey, can I do my master's with you? And she was like, for sure. And then that's kind of where I am now. <laughs> 
So did you grow up like loving spiders or was it more like you were interested in the science first and then the spiders kind of came in? Because I don't know, I feel like for a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, the science is interesting, but spiders are a deal breaker. I'm not going to be working with them. So do you like spiders themselves? Yeah, yeah. I've always been like super interested in spiders and insects and everything, like always catching them when I was younger and just like observing them and everything. Um, and I've never really kind of been afraid of spiders. Um, but I found like the more that I watch them and look at them and study them, I'm like, oh, wow, like they're way cooler than I even thought they ever could be. Um, yeah, I just feel they're just really fun. <laughs> what is your coolest spider fact then? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, actually, okay, so the one, one of the spiders that um, I've been studying is called the fishing spider or the dock spider. Um, those are the really giant ones that you find like on docks and stuff. Um, so they're actually really cool. Like they're called fishing spiders because they can sometimes, like they're really large spiders. So sometimes they go fishing and they catch like small fish and uh, eat that. So that's pretty cool. It's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. And there's some uh, work that's found that they actually they can run on water too which I thought was crazy (laughs) that is really cool there seems to me like a lot of different like diversity in different spider types and different like I had no idea that there were spiders that fish that kind of makes them more terrifying (laughs) and cool uh so what three species are you using and do they all are they all web making ones what made you choose those three Mm -hmm. so for that part of the modeling side of the project like the multi-body modeling of the whole spider body um that's i'm just using three species so i'm using um focus phalangiotes which is the cellar spider that's the one that you kind of find in your basement um so they're really small and they have really long thin legs so i tried to get like three that are very different in in body size but are all web dwelling spiders um because for my experiment i need them to be in a web which i can go into detail about and the other one is um, Araneus diadematus, or the European garden spider. Um, those ones, they're really cool. They have like this white cross on their back. Um, I think it's deposits of guanine, uh, but they're just really pretty. Um, and they're, they're an orb weaver, so they make the vertical orb webs. And then the third one is um, Latrodectus hesperus, or the Western black widow. Um, so that one we just have a colony of in the lab, so they were like easy to uh get for my experiments basically and they're another cobweb spider so they make like a the crazy cobwebs um yeah but the reason why i need them to be a web dwelling spiders um so for the experiments for that side of the project um i basically have those the spider build a web in a frame and then i hang a magnet in the web and i vibrate that magnet and then with uh this machine that we have it's called the laser doppler vibrometer we can measure basically how much any point on the spider's body is moving due to that uh magnet vibrating so then i can see basically yeah how the spider's body vibrates when the vibration is passing through it okay and so what does that vibration tell you about the spider and how do they compare to each other yeah, so what I'm looking at there is basically what frequencies is it moving the most at? So looking at what the resonant frequencies of the spider are, um, because it's composed of a lot of different objects, like small leg segments, large abdomen. So it's it's like a complicated um, assortment of things that determines what the resonant frequency is. Um, yeah, and then comparing that between the three, the small to the large one. Um, and what I found so far is the larger one does move at a lower frequency than the smaller one does. So that's pretty cool. And then, so you're looking at 
Okay. The vibration in their a specific part of their body. So is it really just the legs that is the most important? I mean, like they have eight of them. <laughs> so are some legs more special than other legs or do they use all their legs the same? This is where like, I, I don't really know anything about spiders. <laughs> like, how do they work? What, how are their legs moving? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So for the vibration side of things, um, what's interesting is the organs that they use to sense the vibrations. They're called are from organs they're basically like little cracks in their exoskeleton um, and they're located near the leg joints that's where they're mostly found so basically when the vibration passes through the spider's body um, if it's enough it'll it'll cause joint bending and that joint bending if the joint bending is enough and it um, deforms the cracks then the spider can sense that vibration so that's why i'm kind of looking at the legs specifically because say if one joint is bending a lot more than another than another joint um, then that wire from organ is more likely to be stimulated than another one. And the spider is more likely to sense that vibration. Okay. So where does the joint stiffness come into this sort of system? Yes. Yeah. So spiders are really cool. They actually, they, they don't have, um, extensor muscles. So like we do to like extend our leg segments or, or our arm. Um, yeah, they only have flexor muscles, um, but how they do extend their legs is they increase the pressure of hemolymph in their legs. So that's basically like their blood and they basically contract their cephalothorax, which is where their legs are attached and then shoots hemolymph in their legs and they can extend them. But, um, yeah, so they only have flexor muscles. And my idea here is that the size of the flexor muscle is what is going to be determining how stiff the joint is. So if the muscle is larger, there's more muscle there that's going to resist being stretched when the joint basically extends based on how the muscle attaches to the second leg segment. Um, yeah, so, and then I'm going to be using the data from a whole bunch of different spiders to generate a model that I can use to predict what the stiffness parameter in my multibody models of those three species is going to be. Are there any other um, potential causes for the stiffness other than the muscles? Yeah, so we've thought like um, about like the cuticle stiffness. If you look at like the size of the cuticle compared to the size of the muscle, it's really, really thin compared to like the, the muscle. So it's on the scale of micrometers, whereas the muscles on the scale of millimeters. So if the cuticle does have any effect in the stiffness, it'll be like orders of magnitude less than the muscle potentially. Mm -hmm. But so that's just my thinking there. But if it turns out that um, something's missing and I'm not able to predict the stiffness just based on the size of the muscle, then maybe the cuticle does contribute more than, than I initially thought. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question that is probably out of left field, but I know there are some, there's like kind of like an old wives tale that like people can feel the weather in their stiff joints. <laughs> oh, <laughs> does that relate anything to what you're doing? I don't know. I've never really thought of it that way. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could use that for like a, a title slide. It'd be like stiff joints, tell the weather, the spiders tell, uh, what's going on around them no that was kind of a silly question in uh, <laughs> all serious though uh what are you going to use the model for because it sounds really interesting that you'll be able to predict different things with it but what is the application of that yeah so that has a few different applications um so first we can well first with the joint stiffness side of it um just like being able to predict what the stiffness of a spider leg joint just by looking at how big the leg segment is would like really uh, 
advance the field of spider sensory ecology because then if we're able to make these models based only on leg size or body size um then we could take any spider that we really wanted like we could even go to like a museum and look at a fossil of a spider and say okay this is how big each leg segment is from this model i know that okay if it's this big then the stiffness of this joint is likely this you can build your multi-body model of the whole spider body and see okay what would that spider most likely be sensing basically in the in the world and then another side of it is with uh spider ecology so if if larger spiders are indeed tuned to lower frequencies and these lower frequencies are often commonly associated with uh, larger prey and then smaller spiders are tuned to higher frequencies that are associated with uh, smaller prey then that could be suggesting that maybe spiders in the same habitat are partitioning the prey species with only their body size and they don't need to further um, I guess, process that signal we're using their brains, basically. And then kind of offload some of that to their bodies. Um, and then another part of it, which I thought was kind of cool when we were discussing this as a lab, was um, with the multi-body models of the whole spider body, you could potentially use it for like pest control. Like people have um, suggested like using spiders as a, of a, as a mode for biological pest control in like agriculture. Um, so Spiders aren't the only things that use vibrations to communicate. Um, insects, well, a lot of insects do as well. So if your pest species is making a certain vibration, say it's trying to communicate to a mate, um, and you're like, okay, can the spider that I want to use to control this pest even see or like sense that vibration? Then you can predict that with this multi-body model. And if not, you're like, okay, let's pick a different species. That's really cool. I've also seen, and this may be very out of left field, um, that scientists have been using like spider carcasses to pick things up mm -hmm. and would that have any application there <laughs> uh potentially that kind of brings in the part the what i was talking about with the hemolymph pressure where they like mm. pump the spider carcass full of fluid and then it opens up but um i'm not sure i mean i guess you could probably model it with the multi-body models i'm not sure what you would potentially use that for but yeah <laughs> That's super cool. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about, this is not exactly your work, but a little bit about the spider silk, because I've heard that it's like the strongest material ever and that the, the, the spiders produce it. Can you tell us how that really works, how they make it, if you know, because it seems like they're so small and they produce so much of this silk, like where are they storing that in their body? Can you tell us a bit about, about that? Yeah, so I don't know all the nitty gritty details, but I kind of know like broadly. Mm -hmm. So they have uh, silk glands. So the silk is basically protein and how it actually gets um, all of the like crazy material properties is uh, when they actually pull it out of those glands. So it's when they pull it out with their spinnerets, which are kind of like little, these little like finger like things, um, it like aligns the proteins in the right way that gives it its its. Uh, crazy material properties so I think the way that they store it is just in like glands like if you cut open a spider you could probably find the glands and it's just like glands full of proteins mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah so then they can also some orb weavers can produce like many different kinds of silk I think they can produce like seven I don't know all the names off the top of my head but um, if you look at a spider's web you'll you'll be able to see like some of the silk um, is used for like the the structure of the web, like the anchoring points. Some of it is the sticky part, which um, 
it's like the capture spiral. Um, sometimes, oh, another one is when they make like their egg sacs, kind of like a fluffy, soft um, silk. Um, sometimes they they have a different one. So this is another kind of spider, a sack spider, and they like make the sack that they basically sleep in during the day. Um, so that's another different kind of silk. Wow, that's super cool. And what are your plans in the future for maybe like, are you going to be doing a PhD? Are you going to be going into work? What do you, what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't think I'm going to do a PhD, at least not at this point in my life, but I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now with my master's. Um, and I think after this, I might just take a break because I've been in for so 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 long <laughs> um take a break kind of reassess and then I was also thinking like oh maybe I I like school I like teaching maybe I'll think about going to teacher's college mm-hmm. sharing the spider spider wealth with the youth <laughs> and what kind of like, grade would you be teaching or would you like to teach um yeah so I really would like to teach like high school biology I think that would be really fun that would be fun and I know that having a really good a uh, high school biology biology teacher will really influence if kids want to go into biology. Like I had a really good one. And so I'm sure that like, because I went into the sciences and so it's cool, especially since like a lot of people find uh, spiders kind of icky, <laughs> but if they have like a cool teacher who's like, no, they're actually really cool. They do all these amazing things. Then you yeah. can really inspire people. Uh, have you found yourself having to kind of like defend spiders <laughs> to people? Like do you find people say to you, like, why are you doing this? They're so gross. Like when you find a spider in your house, do you kill it? <laughs> um, yes, I do have. Well, that's not a yes that I kill it, but that's the yes that I do have to defend spiders sometimes. Like people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, no, they're, they're really cool. Just watch them. They're, they're really cool. <laughs> um, but in the terms of the, uh, when I find a spider in my house, no, I don't kill it. I normally catch it. I used to catch it in my hands. Now sometimes it's a little harder because sometimes they, they're too fast, but I just grab a cup and I take them outside. Or sometimes if it's a spider that I want, I take it to the lab. <laughs> Have you done that? You've taken one from your house to the lab and then you say, oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of the sack spiders of the yellow ones that you normally find up near the ceiling. And for some reason at my house, we had all of these um, jumping spiders. I was like, like the big uh, black ones, the Phytopus odax. Um, yeah. So I found a lot of those there and the cellar spiders. Yeah. So how do you do your sampling for, for your experiments? Yeah. So other than my house, there's two main places that we like to go. We like to go to the Western Field Station, one near Ilderton. Um, and then we also just kind of like to go just around campus. Um, so we found a lot of what are called the orchard orb weavers, um, just in like the bushes along like the Thames River. Um, we found a lot of the uh, Tigrosa halu, the um, wolf spider that I've uh, been using for the joint stiffness one and the fishing spiders. So we found those near the rivers. We just were kind of mosing on down there because I was like, okay, on iNaturalist, people take pictures of them on rocks. So let's go to a rocky place near water. And then we were looking around and we were getting really disgruntled. And we we're like, okay, can't find any spiders. And then we just flipped over a rock and there's a giant fishing spider on the rock. And we're like, alrighty, that's what we're gonna do now. <laughs> um, what other ones? Um, yeah, so then at the field station, that's where I found a lot of the uh, 
uh, European garden spider. And there's another one, it's called the yellow and black garden spider. Uh, scientific name is Argiope aronata. Um, and those ones, we go into the unused aviaries and they like to build their big orb webs like in between uh, different trees and, and the thistles, which is not amazing all of the time because we have to go trudging through these giant thistles to get the spider. Yeah, there's a lot of just looking around outside and a lot of like, oh, I saw the spider and I'm gonna grab it just like day to day. How, how do you handle them? Do you have to, like, is it a special way? Like, I know, like, some spiders are harmless, but are Black Widows, like, <laughs> do you have to wear gloves? Like, what do you do to pick them up? Yeah, so we don't handle them with our hands. We just kind of, like, maneuver them. So what I like to do, because the Black Widow spiders, if they, if they bite you, you're not going to, like, die. But you should go to the hospital because some people can have like heart problems after, but they're not like you're going to drop dead. Um, but what I like to do is when I'm transferring one from like one container to another container, like if I have to uh, do an experiment on it and I need to like put it to sleep with the CO2, I need to put it in a certain container. So I just kind of open up the container that it's in and uh, I have like a bigger box that I have them all like that I have the smaller container in. And I kind of get the, the spider out of the smaller container and mosey around and then I take a paintbrush and I just kind of into the <laughs> into the one I wanted in. But yes, okay, so the, the gloves for the widows when we're like uh, feeding them and everything, um, we don't have them ever on us, but when we do feed them, just in case they do get out, we wear lab coats and then we also wear uh, gloves and then we tape um, where the gloves basically meet lab coats so that mm. if one did get out and it doesn't climb up our sleeve and get lost in our clothes. So black widows excluded. Does that mean most of your spiders get to be released back into the wild after you finished your experiment? Yes, yes they do. There's one um the fishing spider another um a postdoc in our in our lab. She's might be using them so some of them uh, laid egg sacs and they've hatched. So I'm just raising those ones up now uh, for maybe making our own little breeding colony of fishing spiders. But for the most part, yes, um, I just released them back into the wild where I found them. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I like how they go back. I wonder, like they say to their spider friends, you won't believe what happened to me. <laughs> no. How long do spiders typically live? Yeah, so it depends. So actually, this is kind of crazy. So for the widows, they live about a couple years. Um, once they get up to the two-ish, one and a half year mark, they get they get kind of decrepit, and you're like, "Wow, you really look like an old spider." <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the garden spiders. So I collected uh, some of them last year, and I did one set of experiments on them. Um, and I was like, okay, I gotta do these experiments fast because they typically die after the fall because they they mate, lay their eggs, and then they die. And then the, the babies survive the winter and then they come out in the spring and then they start the cycle over again. Um, but actually, I don't know if I'm just an amazing spider carer, um, but <laughs> I still have some from the year before. I was like, oh, wow, these ladies just keep on kicking. I just keep feeding them and watching them. <laughs> and what do they mostly eat? Do they all have separate diets? Yeah, so we feed the small guys, like the babies, um, fruit flies. Um, and then when they get a little bit bigger, sometimes we feed them like pinhead crickets. So like really, really baby crickets. And then when they get a little bit bigger and they can handle like um, a medium sized cricket and then also mealworms. 
did they ever eat each other? <laughs> yes. So if you ever want to catch spiders, don't have two in the same container because they will eat each other. Um, but also with the babies, um, when we have the babies, I just kind of have them in like a big container because uh, once they hatch, they're like, there's hundreds of them and they're really small. Um, so I just leave them for a little bit and eventually this happens in the in the wild too. They just kind of eat each other. Um, and then, then your numbers get down to a more manageable amount. And they also, there's a lot of protein in, in spiders. So they, they grow up pretty fast when they just eat each other. <laughs> and then after that, we separate them into their own containers and then they get flies. <laughs> so when do you see your research wrapping up? And um, do you think you'll be able to finish your experiments and, and like draw a conclusion? Yes, yeah, so I'm starting the second year of my master's, um, and we actually did a heck of a lot of work this summer. So I had two undergrads helping me. Their names are Lachman and Muad, um, and they were they worked so hard. So they busted through like this ginormous set of experiments that I had planned. If I didn't have them, I probably would not be finishing on time. But uh, yeah, with their help, um, things are moving really, really nicely. Have you had to deal with any setbacks? Because I know, especially for a master's, is that at the beginning, you have no idea what you're doing. I guess with you, you did your honors thesis, so you had a bit of the background there. Uh, and then you have to like get over that I know nothing stage and then wrap up everything within just such a short time. So did you find that uh, you were able to do that? Did you have anything that set you back? And what advice would you give to maybe an early master's student on how to kind of finish on time and get all that work done? Mm -hmm. um so I think at the beginning I thought I was gonna be able to do all this work um and then my supervisor was like hey girl this is too much work you're definitely gonna need some undergrads to help you so I think some advice there would be talk to your supervisor because they know the amount of work that goes into it you may think oh look at all this progress I'm making but they they know how much work it's supposed to, it's likely gonna take um yeah so then they can get you some help if you need it um for some setbacks I think the big one that I can think of right now is just like trying to find the spiders. Um, that was like a, a thing at the beginning of the summer. I was like, okay, I, I know I want these spiders. I think I know where to find them, but I'm not too sure. So we're just going to go outside and just kind of wing it. <laughs> um, and there's still one that I'm kind of on the search for. It's the sack spider. They're a little trickier to find, but um, I think another piece of advice would be kind of uh be flexible and be willing to change but you don't want to change too much that your project totally changes but um be able to like make adjustments as as you see fit and kind of in that vein was there any like impact that covid's had on your research or anything that's that's changed from, from the pandemic um so i started last year so it was it wasn't like super locked down but when I did my um honors thesis that was when everything was, was shut down mm -hmm. so that was purely modeling um I was doing like a different sort of thing but um only only modeling the the spiders of different body sizes so what do you do in the modeling process yeah so a big part of my honors thesis was I had to build the models um so part of that is so I use um this software called MATLAB Simulink. So basically the model is just like a collection of different rigid objects. 
So the leg segments are cylinders. Um, the cephalothorax is a box and the abdomen is like an ellipsoid. And they're basically just all connected to each other um, in space with different joints. So basically I was just trying to figure out how to tell the program, okay, put a leg segment here and connect it with this one, with this joint um, and constructing it that way. That's really cool. I can think of more questions, but we are almost out of time. So if people uh, want to uh, ask you another question or, or follow your research, is there any social media that you can share for them to find what you do? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, it is rgartley. All right. We will put that in the description of the episode so people will be able to, find, to uh, find you there. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Reese. It's been amazing to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Emily Hutchinson, and my co-host was Anna Moyer. And we've been speaking with Reese Gartley. And this episode was produced by me, Emily Hutchinson. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get into contact with us, you can email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. Listen to us. We're on Radio Western 94.9 FM, and you can find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.